to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing a recent webinar hosted by the Beef Reproduction Task Force titled Management Factors That Influence Reproductive Success. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the presenter, Dr. George Perry, who's with Texas A&M University. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Perry. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Perry, you recently joined the faculty there at Texas A&M University, but prior to that, you were at South Dakota State. Share with us a little more about your background and now your current role and responsibilities there at Texas A&M. So, Aaron, yeah, I actually have spent time all over the country. Uh, I grew up here in Texas. I did my graduate degrees at the University of Missouri. Then I spent a couple of years with USDA up in Miles City, Montana, And then, actually, I spent 17 years with uh, South Dakota State University in a research and extension appointment on campus in Brookings. And this past year, got the opportunity to move back closer to home and rejoin Texas A&M. And so, since I've been here, uh, I'm actually out at the Overton Research Center. And what it gives me the opportunity to do is having a cow herd and a research lab and all of that right here together is actually focus on some more production-oriented beef industry impact types of research. And so my role here is overseeing the cow herd, but also continuing a research program and training graduate students in beef management and reproductive management. Dr. Perry, you recently presented a webinar and focused on really a wide range of topics in terms of factors that influence reproductive success. Walk through with us some of the highlights from that webinar, some key things that you think producers should remember and keep in mind as they think about the upcoming breeding season. Well, in that, and what I tried to do in the presentation is that's a very broad topic. And so it always generates a lot of questions. But what I really want to focus on is really in three parts. How do we get a cow herd ready to go into the breeding season? And a lot of the management considerations uh, are the same, whether we're going to do a synchronization in AI or natural service, then what do we do during the breeding season? And then what do we manage those cows for after the breeding season to make sure embryonic survival is the best? And so if we break that apart into those different categories, in getting animals ready for the breeding season, some of the real highlights and all of the research we've done over the years and we've looked at it, the biggest impact, especially in heifers, on them breeding and breeding early in the breeding season is how many heifers have reached puberty prior to the start of the breeding season. And so one of the things I talked about was how do we determine puberty in heifers? And that's can be done by reproductive tract scoring or even just watching the heifers and knowing for sure which ones are showing estrus. But we really need those heifers to be in good body condition, reaching a target weight. And I still go by the target weight of 65%. And the reason for that is it kind of gives some buffer. That buffer being when those target weights were developed, it was to have 90% of the herd cycling prior to the breeding season. And anytime we've looked at it, that's still a good rule of thumb. I know some good research out of the 
USDA Meat Animal Research Center there in Nebraska that would say puberty is probably about 55% of mature weight. And so that buffer, when I tell people 65%, really allows some cushion as, you know, how many people weigh their animals? How many people know for sure what their mature body size is? And so it gives that cushion. And the work we did with the Meat Animal Research Center actually tells us that the animals that are cycling, breed early, calve early, they stay in the herd longer, they produce more pounds of beef. And so it's really important we get heifers set up correctly. So as we think about cow herds and we think about going into the breeding season, things are very similar to heifers and puberty. When we talk about heifers and puberty, we're wanting them cycling. On the cow herd side, days postpartum, body condition score, all of those things affect the number of animals that are cycling before the breeding season. And so if we're working with a herd that is on the thinner body condition side or cows have been conceiving later in the breeding season, so they calve late, those are really hard herds to get into a synchronization and AI program. And so as we think about that, we really need to focus on that side of the management first before we start applying technologies. If our cows are in good condition, they're cycling, they're far enough postpartum, then we have a herd that we know we're gonna have good reproductive success on. The other things that I mentioned on prior to the breeding season is some work we started doing several years ago with the impact of vaccination on pregnancy rates. When we think about vaccinating an animal, most of the time we vaccinate a cow herd, it's for reproductive diseases. We vaccinate them for things that are going to cause abortion or embryonic loss or actually affect that early calf. And so it's really important that we get animals and good immunity into the animals, but what impact can it have? Well, what we've seen over two really large field trials is that using modified live vaccines prior to the breeding season actually caused about a 5 to 8% loss in conception rates compared to using an inactivated vaccine. Well, that may sound like a huge impact, and it is. You know, that's 5 to 8 cows pregnant to AI out of 100 cows. But we also need to be concerned about the biosecurity in the animal. And bringing cows in, bringing bulls in, neighbor's exposure, all of that, because we actually just published a paper in bovine practitioners that actually showed animals that were exposed to BVD during the breeding season had a 20% decrease in conception rates. And so when we think about the impact of disease on our herds, it's very critical that we manage them, and we know what we're getting into. And that's why it's important to talk to your local vet to know what the exposure and the risk level of your herd is. The other thing in talking about it is the timing of the vaccine. Uh, I know a lot of the labels say approximately 28 to 30 days before breeding. When we've actually looked at it in one of our large field studies, we had animals everywhere from 27 out to 89 days prior to the start of the breeding season when they got vaccinated. And what was interesting is it didn't matter if it was a killed 
or a modified live vaccine, conception rates were increased as long as it was given 45 days or more prior to the start of the breeding season. Now, as a physiologist, that makes sense to me because when we talk about follicular growth, from antrum formation to ovulation is about 42 days. And so it's really important that we get animals over any of those impacts. Some of the questions that came up were asking, well, can I just wait until after breeding? I do caution people against that because if you give a modified live to pregnant animals and they haven't had that vaccine in the previous 12 months, you can cause abortions. And so it's really important you work with your local vet and figure out the best vaccination strategy, but we wanna make sure and control any diseases we can before we go into the breeding season. Now, when we talk about at the breeding season, what are the critical points? And a lot of the research that I've done over the years has really focused on estrus expression. And estrus expression, you may think, oh, well, all cows show estrus. Well, when we do fixed time AI protocols, that's not the case. We can actually induce animals to ovulate even without exhibiting estrus. But one of my grad students a few years ago actually looked at the impact of estrus expression, even in a fixed time AI program, and what impact it had on conception rates. And what she was able to show, we had 26 different studies. There was over 10,000 animals in the study. And we actually saw a 27% improvement if those animals had shown estrus prior to fixed time AI compared to animals that didn't. So that's an extra 27 pregnant to AI out of every 100 you breed. And so that's why it's important to monitor that. When we're doing research or any herds that I work with, even if it's a fixed time AI, we put patches on them. We make sure to record whether they've shown estrus or not. And what that does is it gives us a chance at the start of the breeding season to really get an idea of how well conception rates are going to be. Uh, some people would think that if they're just turning out a bull, there's no concern. That's what the bull does. But there's actually really differences in libido between bulls, and that's the bull's willingness to go out and heat detect animals. And so when we look at it that way, there's a lot, even with natural service, we need to consider. We also need to realize the majority of animals show estrus at night. When we talk about after the breeding season, our big criteria there is what do we do to keep embryos alive? We know that if an animal shows estrus, good quality semen is put in the correct place at the correct time, fertilization occurs about 95% of the time. So if that's the case, I always get asked, well, why are our conception rates 50, 60%? Well, that has to do with the amount of embryonic loss that occurs. And that can be anything from shipping stress, if we move cattle at the wrong time, if we change diets at the wrong time, or if they get, uh, experience any negative energy balance, we can lose embryos. And so all of those management stresses and management factors can have a big impact on things. And one of the things I like to point out to people is when we breed an animal, whether we AI her or the bull breeds her by natural service, it's two weeks later before she even knows she's pregnant. And so those first two weeks that she's pregnant, 
anything we do management-wise that could stress her or change at all can have a negative impact on that early embryo development. And so when we put all of those things together, there's a lot of information in there, but those are really some of the key factors to having a successful breeding season. Well, Dr. Perry, you talked a lot about several different factors that sure can influence reproductive success. Obviously, there's a lot of things that go into a cow getting pregnant, both what she contributes and what the bull contributes on their side, whether that's natural service or semen. Uh, one of the things you didn't talk about is uh, getting a BSE done on a bull, uh, the importance or value of that. And then you briefly touched on it as well, but just because a bull passes a BSE exam doesn't mean that he's going to be an effective breeder. Very true. So if we think about natural service breeding or even cleanup bulls, uh, a breeding soundness exam becomes very important. And so what a breeding soundness exam is, is there's really three parts to it. And so we look at semen quality, we look at scrotal circumference, and we look at the structure and breeding ability of that bull. And a lot of times the structure side of things, producers can pick out. I mean, if a bull's been injured or that, where you can't physically breed a cow, a lot of times those are very obvious. But some of the things I've seen over the years is hair rings or warts. So it's really important that a bull gets full extension of his penis during a breeding soundness exam to make sure there's no damage that away. Grotal circumference is really important in young bulls because what that does is tell us Basically, testicular tissue is correlated to daily sperm production. And so that tells us how much sperm he can produce. And then when we start talking about semen quality, that is volume, motility, and morphology. And all of those are very important in conception rates and getting cows settled. They're important to come in and make sure that bulls meet the minimums. So a breeding soundness exam becomes very important for eliminating bulls that are infertile. There's a lot of research that's still being done. We still don't have a good test to know what the best bull is, but as long as we keep weeding off the bottom side, we keep getting better and better bulls out there. So a breeding soundness exam, if you're doing a natural service or cleanup bulls, is really critical to having a successful breeding season. Uh, at the same time, Semen quality in a straw of semen is also important. And so if you're buying from a large, reputable AI stud or a, your custom collection agency is following NAAB guidelines, you'll end up with really good semen. And so those are always things to be watching for. One of the other things you mentioned in the webinar that you presented that I appreciated is just how important it is to pay attention to detail when you think about an estrus synchronization program, uh, timing of when you put the drugs in, putting the right drug in at the right time, uh, pulling the cedar at the right time, thinking about demonstration of estrus, which you mentioned earlier, but also then thinking about thawing and placement of semen. A lot of different factors there. You need to pay attention to all the details to make sure you get those right. Yes, uh, the details on reproduction are really critical. And I like to point it out on uh, the equation of reproduction. And so when somebody calls me that something goes wrong, that's really where my mind goes to. And it's looking at the percentage of animals detected in estrus, inseminator efficiency, the percent of 
fertility for the herd and fertility for the bull. So those four parts and each little detail, one of the things with reproduction is if we do great in everything and we do bad in one little area, things are going to go bad. And the example I use is we can do everything perfect. And if we put dead semen in, nobody gets pregnant. And so maybe not that extreme, but it's really easy for one little thing that we overlook to have an impact. And I get asked all the time, well, why were my conception rates at a certain place last year and not that way this year? And it's all of those little details from management to environment to the weather that really can impact breeding seasons from year to year. Dr. Perry, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic? Uh, I think there's a lot of things that we need to consider. You touched on the details. One of the things I do want to point out is what are the areas when things usually go wrong? And times when I've been called, like I said, I spent 17 years in extension and in troubleshooting. And a lot of times when I get called in on herds that are having bad breeding season success, you know, a lot of times it really comes down to the cows weren't ready for the breeding season. And so that's why I stressed estrus synchronization, the estrus expression. If you're doing a synchronization protocol or puberty or cyclicity in heifers and cows are all critical to make sure those cows are ready to enter the breeding season. Uh, You mentioned compliance to protocols. Uh, following those details really become important. And so all of those things really do impact the success of a breeding season. Well, Dr. Perry, I really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the Beef Reproduction Task Force website. That's beefrepro.org. At the website, the webinar we discussed today is available for viewing. There are also several other webinars archived there as well. Also at the website, you can find the Beef Reproduction Task Force has a breeding management calendar or an estrus synchronization calendar, I should say. And that's an excellent tool you can use as well in thinking about your breeding season.